Thunder Media. On this episode of Inside Motorsport, we look at Formula One from Hungary. And joining us from a weekend of intrigue in Formula One once again on Inside Motorsport is Matt Koch. And Matt, what a weekend it was in Hungary. It's a beautiful part of the world. And for Oscar Piastri and Daniel Ricciardo, two Australians back on the grid in Formula One, it had a, uh, well, a lot of ups and downs for both those drivers. Yeah, it was a massive weekend. How incredible is it to think that Australia, little old Australia, has 10% of the Formula One grid. Daniel Ricciardo back, that massive smile. He needs to get an Oral B endorsement or something because uh, it's been a long time since I've seen the smile that big. Oscar in fine form as McLaren has improved in recent races as well. He's knocking on the door of, of a proper podium any day now, uh, potentially even this weekend in, in Spa, that McLaren is looking mighty. So, yeah, we're in a really good spot. It wasn't the most exciting of races in Budapest. Uh, but then again, if you take Max Verstappen out of the equation because he ran and hit out front, the race behind is actually pretty interesting. So, it's yeah, it was an intriguing weekend. As you say, Budapest is a gorgeous place. If you've never been there uh, and you are looking for an event in Europe to go to, Go to the Hungarian Grand Prix. It's not that expensive, and you can see so much of the track. Uh, the food's amazing. The nightlife is amazing. It's just an all-round, all-round good vibes venue. We've mentioned the Australians, and I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about their race. But what intrigued me was how much of this race off the start really took away some of the excitement for every Formula One fan. We had Lewis Hamilton on the pole. The pole guy normally wins the race, but unfortunately he had a woeful start. And then, of course, further back, two Alpines, two French cars get taken out by an Italian car, and that caused chaos for Daniel Ricciardo. It was an interesting weekend. So the Hungarian Grand Prix was the first in what they've termed the alternate tyre allocation weekend. So basically what that means is it's an experiment by Formula 1 to reduce the tyre sets available to teams from 13 down to 11. And then as part of that, they prescribe which compounds of tyre you need to use through qualifying. Now, there's two reasons I've done that. Firstly is to improve the sustainability side of the sport. Formula One is on a massive push towards being net carbon zero by 2030. So there's lots of things that are happening around the periphery of, of the sport to do to do that. The other one is to try and increase a little bit of or introduce a little bit of, of jeopardy into qualifying. And we saw a little bit of that with the, the Salvas or the Alfa Romeos being more competitive. They find you Joe in, uh, in fifth and Valtteri Bottas in seventh, Lewis Hamilton on pole. There was a little bit of a mixed up grid there. Unfortunately, by the time we got to the first corner, all of that was undone. Uh, as you say, Lewis had a poor start and got beaten by, by Max Verstappen into the first corner. Oscar Piastri snuck through as well while Lewis was depend- defending from Lando Norris. And then a software glitch of some sort which may well be team speak for one new Joe just missed, missed the start, ultimately meant he got an incredibly bad start as he was trying to make up ground, nosed into Daniel Ricciardo, who in turn got nosed into Esteban Ocon, and Daniel Ricciardo, the, the Red Bull driver, uh, gave Esteban Ocon wings, and uh, he took off over the top of uh, Pierre Gasly and the other Alpine. So two retirements 
from the same team at corner one. Uh, all that all that intrigue that we had on the uh, on the Saturday afternoon was gone by the time we reached turn two on the opening lap, and it was very much a processional race from there. It was you know, the major changes came through the pit stop uh, cycle, with the exception perhaps of George Russell, who who did well to come back through the field from from 18th on the grid into the points. So it's sort of a, a typical Hungarian Grand Prix. It's not a circuit that's famed for its overtaking. It is possible to overtake there, and we've seen it. Um, certainly with a couple of the changes that they've made. We'll send a note to Martin Brundle about those. Um, but a couple of changes I've made, particularly into Turn 1, uh, opening up an o- overtaking opportunity there. So, yeah, it's not one that we'll, we'll write glowingly in the history books, but it, it's it's an impressive one because it's Red Bull's 12th successive win. Uh, the 11th of this season, but 12th, if you're going back to Abu Dhabi last year, that beats. McLaren's 1988 record where they won the first 11 races of that year and then uh, then a clash with uh, Jean-Louis Schlesser in uh, in Monza and lost the race to Ferrari. So we saw history. It wasn't that exciting. (laughs) So we see something a little bit more exciting when we get to to Spa this weekend. But um, yeah, it it was an interesting race. And look, Daniel in there doing well beating Yuki Tsunoda. That's massive. We can't emphasize that enough because he hasn't driven a car really in eight months. He, the, the one he has driven is the class of the field, so it's not really going to be comparable to the Afatari, which is demonstrably the worst car in Formula 1, certainly if you look at the Constructors' Championship. So for him to jump in that and not just match Tsunoda, who's the established, established benchmarks there, but also a driver that his peers say is, is top three this year in terms of his performance, that's incredible. So that bodes really well for, for Daniel and explains why he's got that horrible smile back, I think. He was able to end up finishing where he started, which was an incredible drive. But if we talk about Oscar, can we also talk about, I thought the guy in front was supposed to get the optimum pit strategy. Yeah, it was an interesting one, isn't it? I spoke to Andrea Stella, the team principal at McLaren, after the race, and it was one of the questions that, that came up. Because you're right, usually the driver in front gets preference in terms of pit strategy. In this instance, Lando Norris, who was about three or four seconds back at that point, got preference. And Stella reasoned that, given that they had Lewis Hamilton behind them, and he, he was catching, but not excessively. It also stopped a little bit earlier, and the undercut in Hungary is significant. McLaren's attitude, or at least to us in the media, is that we cover off the greatest risk first. At that instant, Lando Norris was at, at greatest risk of being uh, overtaken. Now, what that effectively did is, yes, it covered off the Lewis Hamilton threat, but it also undercut Oscar Piastri. So Oscar lost out through that little little cycle. McLaren's rationale, again, is it doesn't care which order its cars are in. As long as it achieves the maximum result that its cars are capable of, it doesn't care which order they're in. So whether it's Lando ahead of Oscar or Oscar ahead of Lando, it'll back the points every day of the week. So in that regard, they put driver very much secondary. Now, that's what they're telling us. Whether we choose to, to buy that, we know that Lando is being linked with other teams. We know that Lando is the established star there. and It's his fourth or fifth season in Formula 1. So he is the very clear number one there. He's the driver that they really need to, to keep happy because he's the one that's leading them at this stage. Oscar will get there 
uh, and be on more more of a par with Lando in time, but he's not there yet. So I wonder if perhaps what we're being told is a little bit of window dressing versus what actually transpired and the motives behind that. But either way, Oscar didn't have the pace uh, in the second half of the race. He ran wide and damaged his floor. Uh, that cost him both grip and increased tyre degradation. He also needs a little bit more time just to learn how to manage the tyres. It was only sort of the second really hot race that we've had where we've had two stops. So there's some learning there in terms of how to protect and manage the tyres, something that Lewis Hamilton has obviously got in abundance. So him slipping backwards is understandable in that context. But whether he should have been put in a position where he was battling with Lewis Hamilton and Sergio Perez is another question entirely, and I'm not sure the answer that we've been given satisfies that one to, to, to my mind. Well, it's off to Spa f- before the much shorter summer break this weekend. What are you looking forward to there? Firstly, spa Francorchamps is one of the greatest circuits in motorsport. You know, we talk of Bathurst in Australia and the Nürburgring, but Spa-Francorchamps is, is right up there. Um, you know, Oruz, Blanchemont, Stavolo, Malmedy, Poumont, La Source, you know, these are top-tier names in world motorsport when it comes to the circuit. So that in itself is exciting. What will be intriguing is it's another test of the McLaren. Well, we've seen it excel in Austria and Silverstone, and then we had question marks going into Budapest because that's not the same style of circuit. Austria and Silverstone are comparably high-speed circuits with a little bit of, of lower-speed content. The Hungara ring is much more medium speed. People say it's Monaco and a paddock, but it's, it's much, much faster than that these days. Um, the McLaren has demonstrated that it's now got not just high-speed performance, but also medium-speed performance. So that's encouraging. But the question mark is La Source is 80 k's an hour. Uh, Rivage is 100 kilometers an hour. The final hair, uh, final chicane is 90 kilometers an hour. That's low speed content. That's where McLaren's at its weakest point. And they're also corners that you're spending a lot of time in. So there's a potential there for McLaren to drop time. If there's a strong result from that team this year, uh, from this weekend, that bodes really well for the rest of the year because we've suddenly got a team that's competitive across a, an array of circuits and conditions and it'd be a hell of a jump forward from where they were at the start of the year so that's in, in, enticing also see how Daniel Ricciardo uh, goes in his second event we'll, did we see a flash in the pan and, and just a poor weekend from, from Yuki Tsunoda we'll find that out a little bit more this weekend similarly where is Mercedes where is Aston Martin that battle behind Red Bull is, is really intriguing and then, of course, the one that probably comes Sunday we'll be writing about is Max Verstappen winning another race. That would break McLaren's 1988 record in a single season as well. If we don't need to stretch back to the end of last year to beat that record, we've done it in 2023, 20, uh, 35 years on from when Alain Prost and Ayrton Senna set that record for, uh, for McLaren. So they're the key talking points, I, th- I think. And we've then got three-odd weeks off. Um, the sport will recharge our batteries, but, uh, but you know, us in the media, we, we keep going. It's, you know, this is one of the best weekends of the season in the Ardennes. You know, there's something about this region, Spa-Francorchamps and the Nürburgring, they're only about an hour apart. 
so we're in this sort of magical little Bermuda Triangle of world motorsport when it comes to circuits. So, yeah, there's a lot of good vibes going into the weekend. The weather outlook is not positive, so hopefully we actually get a race, unlike 2021. Um, but yeah, that, that's what interests me. I think seeing how McLaren performs, seeing how Daniel Ricciardo bounces back, and watching Yuki Tsunoda try and come to terms with, uh, with Daniel. They're the stories that I'll be following closely. Matt, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you here on Inside Motorsport. Enjoy Spa, and we will look forward to uh, catching back up with you in Australia for a little while over the European summer break. Yeah, I'll try and follow the sun. Unfortunately, I'm going the wrong way for that because it's the middle of winter back uh, back home. But, uh, yeah, look, it, it's it's been a fabulous first half of the season and uh, look forward to, I'm sure, dissecting that with you in uh, in the coming weeks and then previewing the second half of the year. If you want to hear more of Matt's dissection of Formula One, you can read it all at Speed Cafe, which, of course, is your primary work. And you've got a little side project going with Speed Cafe and Fox Sports. Yeah, a joint, uh, joint production. We've got the Pit Talk podcast, which is Michael Laminato from, uh, from Fox Sports, myself and Ian Parks, who is Speed Cafe's Formula One editor of, of Europe. So the three of us get together on, uh, on a Monday evening usually, and, and that's ready for a Tuesday uh, for you to, to hear all our natterings about what's happening in, in Formula One. And uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a lot of fun and uh, keen to do a bit more of that and, and bring, I guess, our insight from the paddock to, uh, to you guys because we don't just sit at home and do this. As, um, I'm in a hotel in, where am I, in Germany, about half an hour away from Spa-Francorchamps as we, as we speak. So uh, yeah, we are on the ground getting all the gossip. Uh, some of it we can't print, but we can perhaps talk about a little bit. I love that. Where am I? It's a terrible, uh, terrible <laughs> life to be leading. <laughs> what country I'm, I'm am I in, in today? Three or, yeah, I've been in three or four countries in the last two days on the on route here. So it's uh, it gets a little bit. Then the hardest thing is just remembering which language you should be speaking, and then invariably getting it wrong. So uh, it's all it's all good fun. Matt, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks again for your time. Thank you. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.